0: So dear Jesus, we just once more want to ask your Holy Spirit to teach us, come and speak to us, help us to hear in our heart what we need, help us to know that you are always faithful and present, and to go from this today understanding better what you would do for us. We just thank you for this blessing in Jesus' name, amen. I want to start today in Luke chapter 5, right at the beginning here, and read this passage. Uh, Last week we were in Mark chapter 5, this is Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. Jesus, we're told, one day was teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. Now, by the way, that means that it wasn't just disciples around. The reason the Pharisees and the teachers were gathering is probably because they wanted to see what Jesus was going to do because they were trying to catch Him in something. So when we're told that the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, we're already being told something bad is probably going to happen. They're going to try to catch Jesus doing something wrong. It says then that they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem Meaning that people had heard that Jesus was there and the crowd had already gathered as so often did when Jesus was around It says the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick now We understand the crowds were there because Jesus was healing people Jesus was inside of a house and and the crowd had really filled the place and gathered all around even around the outside And it says, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Now, this was a paralyzed man. He couldn't find his own way to Jesus. We can sense that in his heart, he wanted to be near Jesus. He had heard the stories. He knew what Jesus could do. So in his heart, he was hoping, believing that he could get the opportunity to be before Jesus. But the reality of the crowd made it quite impossible. A paralyzed man, he couldn't even find his way there. Fortunately, he had some friends who brought him to Jesus. And as they approached the house, they realized there was no way to get in, but they were not going to settle. They had a friend that they cared about. And so it says that they decided to go up on the roof and lower him on this mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now, they broke up the prayer meeting. They broke up the meeting. They interrupted everything going on. So you can imagine here's the crowd just listening to Jesus and seeing what he's going to do. They'd heard about him. They, want, they wanted to be with him. They were captured by Jesus. But here's some group of men who go up on the roof, on the flat roof, and they start breaking it up. And they've disrupted everything because they cared about their friend. And they lowered him through the roof. And we're told that when Jesus saw them, he said, he saw their faith. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. I want you to notice that it doesn't say when Jesus saw his faith. It says when Jesus saw their faith. In other words, the faith of his friends mattered to Jesus as much as his own faith mattered. You can have faith for your friends. You can have faith and believe in great things for people you care about. Friend, your sins are forgiven. I realize when I'm reading that, that maybe that wasn't what he actually came looking for. Here was a paralyzed man who was stuck, who was struggling. His life was not easy. And he came because he heard Jesus could heal. And what he thought healing was, healing was to no longer be paralyzed. But what Jesus gave him first, he may not have realized was even more precious and important. Jesus first doesn't heal him. Jesus first heals his heart. Jesus first makes him whole on the inside. He says, I forgive your sins. Now the Pharisees and the teachers of the law begin thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now maybe Jesus even anticipated this because he saw they were there. And maybe that is why he said, I forgive you first. Because he knew that they were untrusting of who he was. In order for them to know who he really was, he wanted them to know that he could forgive sins. People knew he was healing, but Jesus could do more. He could forgive sin. We know this because Jesus responds. In verse 22, Jesus knew what they were thinking. He asked them, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. Now, see, they thought it was easy. It's just easy to say your your sins are forgiven, but it was blasphemy. They thought it was impossible for him to do. They'd seen people healed. They didn't always ask for explanation. But to actually say your sins are forgiven—that was blasphemy. You couldn't dare say that. So Jesus asked them, which is more difficult? In in order, we're told, in order to show them that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, in order to prove that he could forgive sins, he says to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. To prove that he can forgive sin, he tells the man that he can walk again, and he does. Because who can do this? Not you, not me. I have no power to make a person who is paralyzed walk again. And so we get used to all these medical uh, technologies in our world today where we can actually help facilitate healing. We don't think about it this way. We think healing is a matter of process. For this man, healing was a miracle to cause him to walk. But Jesus wants them to know that the greater miracle is that it wasn't blasphemy for him to say, your sins are forgiven, that he was the Son of God who actually has the power to forgive the sin. So immediately the man stood in front of them, took what he had been laying on, and went home praising God. And everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. And they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. So this story does kind of remind us of a couple of things. One, you and I don't have the power to heal. We don't have the power to forgive except by who Jesus is. Because he's the one who ultimately forgives sin. But there's a piece of this story that has drawn me to it today that often we read past but it is significant for where we are, a message that is needed for all of us today. And the message is this. Almost no one comes to Jesus alone. Now I say almost because, you know, someone's gonna email and explain to me the story of somebody who they think did, but I'm gonna tell you what I really believe. I really believe nobody comes to Jesus alone. This man had friends. This man brought him before Jesus so the miracle could happen in his life. Nobody comes to Jesus alone because all of us have had someone in our life who introduced us, who supported us, who brought us to the knowledge of who Jesus is. Someone who introduced us. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was a stranger. But there was somebody in our life that brought us to Jesus for the first time. There's another truth here. No one continues to follow Jesus without the help of others. Just as it is that we don't come to Jesus for the first time without the influence of the help of somebody, we do not continue as believers in the walk of faith without somebody being by our side and helping to support that, that challenge, that life. Now, there's this thought that somehow the best expression of the Christian life is if you could somehow go up on a mountaintop and spend all your days meditating and just pray and meditate and be alone for the rest of your life but I want to suggest to you that that is not an expression of the Christian life because the Christian life is a person who can live in the real world live in the real life where there are problems and difficulties and things that come your way that can be discouraging that require you to turn to a life of faith To sit on top of a mountain and isolate and pray is not the evidence of a Christian life. Because a real Christian life is filled with real life and the challenges and the problems of this world that requires us to continually turn back to Jesus to find the strength and the faith and the hope that he brings into our lives. And that means we need to constantly be with others who will help us continue that journey. We don't come to Jesus alone. And we don't continue to walk with Jesus alone. The very real dilemma that has come to us in this life in this past year, the very real dilemma is that we have been placed in a situation for good reasons to become isolated and separated from the very things that strengthen us as Christians. We have had to be separate. We've had to... Uh, somehow not gathering large gatherings like we used to we we closed the church for many months and we weren't able to be together some of you are here today and you have to wear a mask i end up being the person who has to enforce masks a lot of the time but i want you to know that i i hate the whole thing i long for the day when i don't have to wear a mask and when i don't have to look at you and try to figure out who you are because i don't recognize you behind the mask I long for the day when the people are staying at home because they're trying to make sure that they're safe and they're probably doing the right thing because they may have a life condition that makes it impossible for them to join us here or feel unsafe doing so. I long for the day when we can all be together again, where we won't have to stay home. I know what this feels like because as you did for many months when the church was closed, I stayed home. It was kind of nice to watch church you know, in your pajamas. There's something sort of comforting about that. You don't have to get up so early. Some have suggested to me that that's the way life is gonna be from now on. That a lot of people are just gonna stay home because it's easier. I experienced this before most of you did because a few years ago I had a kidney transplant and because of what they make you go through, I I couldn't leave the house for three months barely. And I had to sit at home and watch church I want you to know that as soon as I'm able to be back in church I realize the big difference there is nothing like being able to be in church now I'm not advocating that we throw off all the restraints quite yet because we're doing what we need to do to be safe I understand that as you do but I don't believe that this is the new normal I believe that we will one day soon hopefully no predictions here but we will someday be back to a church that we don't have to wear a mask, that we can give hugs to people we love, and that we can enjoy the fellowship of what church is really about. But while we are in this time, many of us have come to recognize something that is true, that in order to overcome this isolation, we have done things differently to try to connect as we should. And so many have, figured out how to use Zoom that never would have used it before. Many of our Sabbath schools have decided to use Zoom, and they fellowship in the best way they possibly can on the other side of a screen. I've been told that some of them not only just have their lesson for an hour and share and study together, but when the study is done, they, they say to each other, let's go to the lobby now. Well, they don't go anywhere, they've just changed the meeting Now it's fellowship time. And in the same meeting, in the same screen, they fellowship for maybe an hour, maybe two hours, because that kind of connection is so important. And congratulations to those who have tried to figure out how to maintain some sense of community, some sense of togetherness to support us as we walk through this difficult time. But I am concerned that not everyone has found that kind of connection. Not everyone has realized a way to stay connected. Many have somehow been lost from the process because they didn't have it before this began. We've been creative, we do things on Facebook, we do things through online uh, processes, but I want you to know that it's never going to be the same. It's never going to be enough and there's a reason why. Human beings were wired to communicate way beyond words and just simply uh, an expression of the faith. Humans are wired the way God made us to understand and communicate through body expressions, through even a touch on the shoulder, that communicates that we are there for each other, that we care about each other. There is something very human about all of these other forms of expression that demonstrate that we love each other and we care for each other. And you cannot do all of that through a flat screen and a camera. So there is a longing in our hearts for somehow being together again as we once were. So being in a service or being on the other side watching is not the full expression of the Christian togetherness of our faith. Jesus wired us in so many other ways to really be together. And it makes sense when you understand how we were created. We were created in the image of God. When we were created in the beginning, the book of Genesis tells us that we were created in the image of God. And the image of God is the Trinity of God. God is the God who always was in relationship with one another. Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit are three persons in one. And for all of eternity, they were in communion with each other, they were in fellowship with each other. We have a tendency to think of that as something new that Jesus came to this earth and suddenly we think like he began. But Jesus didn't start on this earth, Jesus was eternal. And to all eternity they were together in a relationship until Jesus went to the cross. When Jesus goes to the cross, he experiences for the first time, it's almost hard to grasp, in all of eternity, he experiences what it is to be separated from those he loves. He cries out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because your sin and my sin are the very thing that for the very first time ever, ever, ever broke that relationship and came between them. And Jesus did it for the sake of saving us, for the sake of being able to have the power to say, I forgive your sins. So our sin forgiveness, our lives didn't come at a cheap price. He broke a relationship for at least that time without knowing what the other side of the tomb would look like. He broke that relationship for our sake. And we were made in the image of God. The image of God is all about that kind of connection, all about those kinds of relationships. We were made in the image of God to always love one another, always be connected to one another. That's why church is so important to the life of a Christian. That's why the life of a Christian cannot exist in its fullness in isolation or alone. And so for the last year we've tested the premise. How does it feel to be a Christian who's separated from your family, who in so many ways have found it difficult to be truly connected like you once were? Some are doing better than others. Some have found ways to keep it going, as I talked about a moment ago. But what we have learned is important to us, that the full expression of our Christian walk has to happen in the company of others. And that day will come soon. That day, I hope, will come soon. You know, in the last couple of months, especially in December when we had a lot of music and special programs here, There were some who came into the church building for a service that had not been here for many months, probably since we closed back in March. And for the very first time, they were back in the building. They were faithful watching online, but the first time they came back in the building because of some of the special programming. And our attendance had gone up during some of those days. And speaking to some of them, I heard the same kind of comment from multiple people. They said to me, I didn't realize how much I missed it until I walked back through those doors. That's because this is what church means to us. It's not about a program. It's not just about singing a song. It's about the people we love. It's about being with people who help us, encourage us, and just by their presence, give us the strength to continue to have faith. It really shouldn't surprise us because long time ago, researchers studying how people work in isolation told us this, that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections. People who had bad health habits, such as smoking, poor eating habits, obesity or alcohol use, but strong social ties lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits but were isolated. We've known that for a long time, and it's been proven more this year than maybe ever before. I like how some author put it. They said, in other words, it's better to eat Twinkies with good friends than to eat broccoli alone. <laughs> now, someone will say, you should eat broccoli with your friends, but I don't know if that's very much fun. What we do know is that the health message we often think of goes beyond what we eat. The health message should also include who we eat with. The health message is about our mental and emotional and spiritual health, not just a a physical health because we choose to eat certain things and not eat others. Because the health that Jesus wants us to have is a whole health. And whole health cannot be had without the support, the encouragement, and even the honesty, honesty, the authenticity of being with others who will support our faith. There's something that I've learned over time, and that is that people really care well for people they know well. It's difficult for people to care really well for people they haven't met or don't know. And so, relationships, because of that, are like bank accounts. Have you heard this before? Relationships are like bank accounts. They don't just happen, they require regular, intentional deposits. Now, I wish my my bank would see it otherwise. I wish my bank would just, every time I spend something, they would just replace it for the good, you know, the being good-natured. But it doesn't work that way at all, and neither do our relationships. Our relationships require us to intentionally build those relationships because the question is, if we don't, who will be there when we need them? You've heard about the three in the morning friend. Who will be there if you have an emergency or a problem at three in the morning? Well, part of the answer is, who would you be there for if they had a problem at three in the morning? So if we ignore the relationships and we don't feel like we need to invest in them, Why would we expect somebody to be ready to be there for us if we have not paid attention to them before? So we need to build some intentionality into the development of the fellowship and the development of the relationships, the very people who will be with us when we need them, the people who we will help when they need us. The development of meaningful relationships where every member carries a significant sense of belonging is central to what it means to be the church. This is why Jesus created the church, because none of us can walk with Jesus alone. So I want to ask you this question. Who will you choose to journey with in your faith experience? Many of you have already made this choice, and you belong to a group of people that can authentically speak into your life and you have the permission to authentically speak into theirs but some of you have not yet found that experience i'm worried for those who have no one right now and there's many reasons that could have happened you may have moved recently into this community and you don't know how to find your way in i hope that we will help each other do that julie's giving us all kinds of suggestions how we can It's not always easy, and it's it's not easy when you just come to a service, whether it's online or here in person, to know that that community is strong around you. Uh, For years, I was a member of this church and attended only occasionally because I was working for the conference, and it meant I was in a different church almost every week, and I would attend here at most once a month, probably not even that. And I saw the church as a church with lots of nice people and a great worship. But not until I came to be a pastor on the staff did I realize the power and and the persistence and the widespread availability of many strong groups of people who care for each other. Now, it's easy to miss that. That was my point. Because I missed it for a long time. I didn't see it but I want you to know that it exists. Now, not everyone can be equally connected to everyone in a church of this size. Let's not pretend that that's even possible. But what is possible is for everyone to find a place, a circle, a community where they can be intimately connected and know the people who love them and love them in return. It is always possible if you will help yourself make it happen. So I have a couple of challenges for you today. My first challenge is to find that group of people and choose to be open to them. Because you will be open to them, they will become open to you, and you will have an authentic kind of an experience that will help you grow, that will help you go places you never thought you could go with your faith. It will help you to overcome challenges that you don't even know are coming your way. But some of you may say, Well, i'm strong i don't really feel like i need a lot of help in my spiritual life i've been a christian a follower of jesus for a long time and i've kind of figured out mostly what i need to do and and i stay pretty strong along the way and that may be true some people may be very strong they've been on the journey a while and they've figured out a lot of things but my second challenge is for you if you are strong in your walk with jesus i would challenge you to either lead or join others in a group and share your strength with others in that circle. They need you, even if you don't think you need them. But I promise you, if you do that, you will find that the benefits come your way as much as they go for others, and that experience will be a rewarding experience no matter what you thought before. You need them, and they need you. The Scripture we read just a moment ago, there are three character parts. Those three character parts, the first is the paralyzed man. He was isolated, he was cut off, he was outside. That may be how you have felt. Maybe you've felt it for a long time, maybe you've just felt it in the last year, maybe you still feel it now. I want first of all to you to know that the paralyzed man, that as that person you can be forgiven, and you can be made whole today by Jesus. Have faith and he will make you whole. Have faith and you can get into the circle even if it takes some friends to break through the roof and help you get past the barriers. But have faith, you can be at the feet of Jesus. The second character in our story of course is Jesus. Jesus is the one who forgives and heals. We have to make sure we remember that because you or I cannot pull that off. Now we can forgive someone who's offended us or hurt us, We need to do that. But ultimately, the forgiveness of Jesus is the forgiveness we need above all things. And Jesus is the only one who can give us that eternal forgiveness. Jesus is the only one that can truly heal our hearts. And so we must come and be at the feet of Jesus. We need him because we cannot do either of those things on our own. And the third of the characters are the map bearers those who we don't know their names or much about them, we know this, they had faith because Jesus said it was their faith. They had courage because they chose to go against the grain and in spite of the crowd, broke the barriers, came through the roof for the sake of a friend. I would invite you to know how important they are to this story. They bring the broken to Jesus, and they might be you. Who can you carry closer to Jesus? Who can you help break through the barriers and help them be united and made whole again? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, you're ready. You're always there. Oh, you see our faith even if it's small. Lord, we just ask that you will show us the way. Show us how to join together more fully, how to trust each other and, and support each other, encourage each other, find the ways to be together with each other in whatever is possible in this time. Because we will not forget how much we need you and we will not forget how important it is to have each other to stay close to you. Open the way. Let us be healed, not only physically, but in our hearts. And help us to be map-bearers, willing to help others find their way to you. We thank you, Lord, for being good and faithful to us in all these things, amen.